me? Okay, good. Not yet? Oh, there we are. Okay. Hopefully it will work okay. Well, um, I'm always amazed ability to pick out songs. <laughs> I mean, I just send her a few scriptures and kind of tell her basically what the theme is, and, and this is what we get, and it's perfect. So uh, thank you for that. I know you guys have been in chaos at your house, so to get all that pulled off is really uh, amazing. So, um, Well, there's quite a few faces here, some people I don't know. So my name is Brian, for those of you that aren't familiar. Um, my family is back in the back and some up here. Um, so this morning, I want to talk about a topic that is probably in some ways might be kind of controversial. Uh, it's out of the book of Romans, the first chapter. And it's uh, the title, if we're going to give it a title, I just would say is without excuse, because the Bible talks about that, about man being without excuse. And so I think in some ways this might be kind of a solemn message for trying times that we live in. I mean, I don't think I'm the only one here that has really noticed probably a shift in our, in our culture and across the world in the last couple of years. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, with COVID and everything that's going on with that. And I know there's a lot of opinions and, and things around that that fly. And so we're not really going to get into that um, so much. I mean, there may be a mention or two of, of some things, but that's not really the point. It's just, it's just one more thing for the devil to grab a hold of and use. And he's really, really doing a fantastic job of that right now, unfortunately. So we do live in, in trying times. And, and this may sound a little bit like a solemn message, but I'm going to begin by reminding you of a few things. And then at the end, we're going to have that, that little hint of hope that we're really going to get into next week. So uh, hopefully just bear with me. Um, but remember this as we go through this, that God is on His throne. He will not be undermined. He will not be mocked. He will not be dethroned. He is absolutely and totally 100% in control. And I have to remind myself of that really on a daily basis anymore with the way this world's going. It will drive you mad if you, if you focus on just all of the, the negativity and the chaos and the sinfulness and and the depravity that surround us, it is so unhealthy. So we have to come back to that central truth that, that God is in control of all things. He rules His kingdom. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all things. And that will never be changed. That's the way it is. He is the, the rock, unchangeable, immutable, our salvation. And so that's what we want to remember as we look at some of the more negative side of things that are, that are going on. Before we dive in, let's just pause and, and pray a moment. Father, we just want to come before you. And Lord, I know I'm just a, kind of a weak vessel, but uh, you can use anything and anyone. And most of all, Lord, the thing that needs to come through more than anything is your word. And I just pray that it will and that, Holy Spirit, you will speak to our hearts and help us to get from your word, this first book of Romans, Paul's message through you, Lord, that it will just touch our hearts in the ways that it needs to. And we will find encouragement and that you will be glorified 
mostly. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the introductory verses of, of Romans, Paul lays out the evidence of God and why men are without excuse. So we're going to start out here just uh, right off the bat, the first three verses. I think we can get those on the screen. <clears throat> Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. And we know an apostle is one who is sent, you know, the one's on a mission. One that has sent out with a purpose. Set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. So the gospel was prophesied in the Scriptures. Jesus was prophesied to be born of a descendant of David. And then we move on to verse 4. Who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. What an important statement that is. The resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we're reminded that Jesus' Jesus's divinity was declared with power by his resurrection. You do realize that without the resurrection of Christ, the Bible even tells us without that, everything else is just, there's really no, <laughs> there's no point, no purpose, no meaning in it. He overcame death on our behalf. And guess what? We get to do the same thing because of Him. The grave will not hold you down. That's an encouraging message to me. That I, I, I posted something on Facebook recently. It was um, just a quote, and I can't even remember it offhand, but it was a quote by William Gurnall, who is, uh, a, a, uh, I think it was 16, about 1655, he wrote, um, uh, what's the name of the book? Um, the, the Christian in Complete Armor or something like that. Anyway, I'm reading the book and can't think of the title of it. But um, I just posted a quote for, of his from that book. It was really, really good. And, and a friend of mine from high school saw that and just commented and said, I really want to believe. He said, I, I'm, he classifies himself as agnostic. He said, I, I really want to believe. I just, I'm struggling. You know, I don't know what to believe. And so I commented back to him and, and tried to encourage him and just kind of shared the basic gospel message with him and told him if he'd like to meet up, you know, we could do that. And he messaged me back a, a rather long message that said he and his wife were going to go to a church retreat this weekend um, and just try to be encouraged and try to find answers. <laughs> and so I sent a message back to him, um, just try to encourage him. I don't even remember why I was telling you this story, but it has something to do with what we're talking about this morning, uh, that there is hope. You know, without the resurrection, there is no hope. And that's what people are hungry for. That's what they need to know. And that's what, you know, hasn't clicked yet in his mind and in his heart. And so he's left wondering, if, is there anything else? And he said, he made the comment, he said, as an agnostic, he said, I feel like I'm not certain if there's really a God or not. He never had a father in his life, uh, which is you know, one of the key problems that happens. Um, but he said, he said, I just don't know. And, and, and so I, I feel like I live my life to the fullest, really loving people because this is the only life I have. So he almost made it sound like because I don't know that there's life after this one, then I can really live this one really, really well. <laughs> that was the logic there, I guess. But man, just imagine not knowing, just thinking that when you go in the grave, that's it, lights out. 
What a depressing <laughs> viewpoint to have. So people need hope. And, and through the resurrection of Christ, there is hope. And then Paul goes on in this next part of, uh, of Romans, about the next 12, 13, 14 verses. He promotes the preaching of the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And then his focus shifts to warning about the consequences of unbelief. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit deeper in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So Paul makes it very clear that creation reveals the creator. Imagine that. (laughs) Creation reveals a creator. And therefore men are without excuse when God's anger is revealed, quote, revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And we know right off the bat men suppress the truth in unrighteousness because they don't believe that God is creator. If they believe in God at all, they don't believe He really is the Creator the way the Bible describes Him as being. But I wanted to re, kind of reread these three verses, filling in the definitions of the words. Just filling in the definitions instead of just the word. You'll see what, what this is saying. So let's just kind of define a few things first. God's wrath literally means violent passion, indignation, or anger. And when it talks about His wrath being revealed, of course that just means what we would think it means. It means it's uncovered. It's exposed. You can see it. Ungodliness literally means wickedness or desire of evil things. Ungodliness, desire for evil or wickedness. And unrighteousness, injustice or wrongfulness. And then the word suppress, where it says they suppress the truth, it just means to to hold it down, to to hide it, to just what you would think, to suppress, to hold down the truth and not allow it to be exposed and to do what the truth alone can do. So let's just go through that passage again. It would read this way if you just filled in the definitions. For the violent passion, indignation, and anger of God is uncovered from heaven against wickedness, desire of evil things, injustice, and wrongfulness of men who hold down the truth in wrongfulness and unrighteousness. That's kind of a frightening thing for our times. <laughs> because look at, just look around you. Turn on the news. I actually don't. It's very depressing. But if you do, you can just see that we are wide open to experience this very thing. Paul makes it very clear that mankind is seriously flawed. There are those that hold down the truth. You ever see that? You notice that lately? (laughs) You just want to know what is the truth? What is the truth about coronavirus? And what is the truth about vaccines? And what is the truth about masks? And what is the truth about all this stuff that's constantly before us? Just dragging us down and keeping us confused and uncertain and divided. 
What is the truth? They suppress it. They hide it. They prevent it from being revealed. You know, what better way to control people than to deny them the truth? What, what did Hitler do? He burned all the books. You're not to know, you're not to have knowledge of the way life works <laughs> so that you can be better controlled. Have you ever felt more like you're being lied to by politicians and the media and some in the medical establishment than you do right now? Have you ever felt? I've never felt it so strongly, so heavily as right now. From the FDA to the World Health Organization to the CDC to Dr. Fauci to you name it, etc., 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 they are not people of the truth. And so we, we just have to wonder sometimes. But really we don't because we have the Spirit of God. And He reveals the truth to us. I think if we seek Him out, we will know what we can latch onto and, and what we shouldn't. So we have all kinds of lies coming at us. It's not just about, you know, COVID and all this stuff. What about the lies that man is destroying the earth through global warming? Did you know that the earth is not, the man, is not man's to destroy? The earth belongs to God. He decides when it, when it begins and when it ends. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It's not ours to decide. Now, we should, be, we should be careful about the way we take care of the planet. I agree with that. You know, we should be smart about it. We don't want to just throw trash everywhere and pollute the, the waters and the streams and the oceans. But we're not going to destroy the earth. We haven't been given permission to do that. So we're constantly being lied to about things like that. Or how about this one, that, that women can be men and men can be women and, and that homosexual marriage is normal or that transgenderism is, isn't just an okay, it's just a personal decision. It is destroying people's lives. It is a lie from the pits of hell. And the truth is just being suppressed, held down. That women should be allowed to kill their babies all the way up to the point of birth. People in Washington, D.C. right now are calling for that. All the way up until they're born. You can snuff them out. The lies, the hate, the evil is just running rampant. But here's the warning. In many instances, even God's people are accepting as right and normal that which God says is wrong and perverse. We need to be cautious that we do not do that. It's not our place to rewrite God's truth. In reference to the ongoing pandemic, which is more and more becoming the pandemic that many people have called it, we've seen human depravity at its worst. I mean, it's just really spiraled out of control. And so the Bible warns about the wrath of God, God's anger being revealed against ungodliness. And so I wonder if maybe what we're experiencing is, is what some theologians have referred to as, you know, they, they, they have an idea of common grace. Maybe what we're seeing is the removal of common, God's common grace. Now, His grace for salvation is available to everyone. But the common grace that just kind of keeps people in check and, and just generally, you know, even people that weren't believers, you could just kind of depend on them to be basically decent people. But it's like, it's like people are just turning into animals anymore. So there maybe we're experiencing a removal of, of the common grace that just kind of shrouds all of, of culture. Um, 
there's the story in Genesis of um, where Abimelech was not allowed to uh, violate um, whose wife? Uh, Abraham's wife. Um, he was not allowed to do that. The Bible says it. And that's kind of God's common grace. Even though maybe he wanted to do whatever he, God was not going to allow that to happen. He, he, he shut that down. Maybe he, if God withdraws that grace, then we see what Romans is, is describing, possibly. Maybe that's what's going on. But there are people that are rising up and, and pushing back against tyrannical rulers all over the world. And you probably are aware in Canada, pastors have been arrested for holding church services. They're just doing it anyway, but they're going to jail. Some churches have been cordoned off. Some have been burned to the ground. Uh, some have had their locks changed by Gestapo-style policing that's going on. Some, uh, like I said, have been burned. In Australia, I've seen some footage. There's practically a war in Australia between the people and the police. <laughs> they're just they're clashing big time in the streets with uh, mace and water cannons and batons and just crowds just pushing because they've had enough. Because people aren't meant to live with the truth being suppressed. We just can't live that way. We're not designed for that. Just like we don't get to set aside the United States Constitution during a health crisis, we also don't get to set aside God's truth in the middle of any crisis. Right and wrong are still right and wrong. Truth is still truth and lies are still lies. So in all of this, People are without excuse. You might ask, why are people without excuse? Well, I'm glad that you asked. So let's look at verse 19. We've already read over it. We're going to just review again here. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. We're without excuse because God has put within the heart of man a conscience that's in us. We know deep down the difference between right and wrong. So, so the issue is not, well, we really didn't know. The issue is open rebellion against God's authority. That's the issue. And anybody who says that they really didn't know, they have chosen not to know. They're not seeking after God. They have chosen not to honor Him as God. Am I still? Okay. I heard that pop. And I, um. So we're without excuse. Knowledge of God is evident within us because God made it evident to us. Ecclesiastes 3.11, I don't think that, I didn't give this one, this is a bonus. Um, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So we are eternal beings and it is set within us, we just know. So if someone denies that, that's a choice that they've made. Because they don't want to be submissive to God. We want to rule our own lives so we think. We can see God when we look around us. That's how it was made evident to us. I'm glad you asked how was it made evident to us. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what? Through what has been made. So that they are without excuse. We can see God when we look around us. How about just look around this room? Besides the people that are in here, everything that you're going to see in here, unless there's a live plant somewhere, is probably was made by man. 
Everything you see from the, from the, the paneling on the wall to the chair you're sitting in to the piano, it was conceived in the mind of man. It was designed, it was planned out, and it was built. All right? We understand that. These things, you don't put all the parts of a piano in a room and set off a stick of dynamite and boom, you have a piano. It doesn't work that way. We know that. It's designed and it's planned and then it's built. It's created. So everything in this room, we can see it, the whole building itself from the mind of man, right? Someone thought it up. Someone drew it up. Someone got the materials together and someone put it all together into what it is. Well, it's no different with people and animals and trees and sky and ocean. You don't have all of that without it being conceived in the mind of God and planned and designed and created by God. But people use their mind that was conceived and designed and planned and built by God to come up with all kinds of ideas about how there is no God. (laughs) We don't need Him. Ideas like evolution. Some people have called it evolution. That's a very, very good name for it because it has been so destructive. When you, generation after generation after generation, tell kids in school that there is no God, that they came from the slime or whatever, and, and an explosion took place and they just, you know, an amoeba appeared and, and then that just somehow <laughs> evolved all the way up into to man, the complexity of a human being, We're supposed to believe this stuff. The truth is being suppressed. And people are not given any message of hope. If you came from the slime, you have no real purpose. You you came from nowhere and you're going nowhere. And at the end, it's lights out and that's it. Why wouldn't we live like what we're seeing the world live like right now? Because there's no hope. The truth has been suppressed. So how did things, how did so many things fall apart? How did it all fall off the rails? I'm glad you asked. Verses 21 through 23. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. There's two good reasons right there. They did not honor God as God and they did not give thanks. When we stop being grateful, problems are going to come along. Even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Man chose to reject God and stop being thankful for what He has done. They did not honor Him or give thanks. When we stop thanking God, we tend to forget where blessings originate. And that can lead us to give credit maybe to ourselves. Well, I worked hard. Or to other people. Oh, they just blessed me with that. They gave me this or whatever. Or other ideas. We give credit to the wrong place for things that God has done. Isn't this why people come up with things like, well, it was just good karma. Just good karma. Well, I don't know, you know, how, how do you get good karma over bad karma? If, if karma is a thing, you know, who determines that? I don't know. <laughs> it just happened. So really, it was because of luck. It was just luck. <laughs> you know, and I know we use these terms sometimes, luck and things like that, but we all know, I think, deep down, 
There's no such thing as luck. <laughs> or ideas like this. Well, the universe is looking out for me. I guess the universe is just looking out for me. <laughs> the universe is looking out for you. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think the universe is looking out for you. <laughs> hate to be Debbie Downer here, but the universe is not looking out for you. <clears throat> or how about this one? I must be living right. <laughs> I guess I'm living right because, boy, that, that was really a blessing, that thing that happened. I must be living right. Yeah, it's all you. That's right, buddy. You're living right. And, and the universe, with good karma and so a little bit of luck thrown in, just threw it down on you. Do you know thankfulness and gratitude are mentioned over at least over 170 times in the Bible? That was just kind of a quick little you know, Google search. <laughs> at least 170 times. We're told to be thankful, to, to have gratitude. There's a really famous verse, Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Usually people go right on and say, um, i got to start over and do this. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be yours in Christ Jesus. They leave out two words. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, it says. They leave out the with. You ever heard that verse so many times and, and the with thanksgiving is left out? I'm sure it's not intentional, but it happens so often. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be yours in Christ Jesus. So they stopped honoring God and they stopped being thankful. It's a foolish person who does that, who stops honoring and stops being thankful. And when they do, they run the risk of their heart becoming dark. Verse 21, they're at the end of it. They, they, didn't, they knew God, but remember, they knew God because it's, it's, it's in you. <laughs> There's evidence all around us in creation and, and eternity's been set in our hearts. So they knew God but they chose not to honor Him or give thanks to Him. And they're, they're, they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. I think we're seeing a lot of dark hearts running around right now. Just running rampant. God's light stopped shining in an ungrateful heart. Have you ever been through a season of your life where maybe you just kind of forgot to be thankful for the things that God has done? You can feel and experience the change in your life. It's real. <laughs> and then you, maybe you come back to your senses and you go, Lord, I haven't been thankful. I haven't just been grateful. I mean, I focused on all the things that are going wrong or all the things I don't have, and I forgot to focus on all your blessings and all the things you've blessed me with and given me and, and the health and the family. Sometimes we, we lose our focus and we stop being grateful and, and it, it just takes us to a bad place. So it just bears out this truth of Scripture. Even on a small scale in our lives and then when you open it up to the whole world and people that don't honor God or thank Him at all, then you see the result of that and it's all around us. So when people stop honoring God and stop being thankful, their foolish hearts become darkened. Let's look at verses 24 through 32. Therefore, because of all this, God gave them over 
in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Remember, the truth suppressed. So if you're going to suppress the truth, then the only other option is to grab onto a lie. So they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. It says right there, amen. Don't you agree? (laughs) So be it. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, remember, they don't honor God. They don't do that anymore. God gave them over to a depraved mind, and there is your key. That is your frightening statement we're going to look at. Gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. (laughs) Inventors of evil. Have you seen any of that going on lately? I heard a story, and I don't like to get too graphic because there's things we could talk about through this passage that we shouldn't talk about in public probably. But I heard this story about this couple that as kind of a a fetish, they gets pregnant and they abort the baby. So long, sometimes this maybe a month, sometimes maybe up to six months. That's what they do over and over and over again. It's a true story about this couple. That's a depraved mind. That's when truth is suppressed, when people don't honor God. Inventors of evil. Who would ever think of such a thing as that? They become inventors of evil, as if we don't have enough. (laughs) Let's invent some more. Disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. I think some people, they're not quite courageous enough to do some of these things themselves, but they give hearty approval to those that do. And I hope that's not anybody in the church that says, well, that's okay. I mean, it's their life. And we, we, we're called to love people. You know, if, if you have homosexual friends or people that are struggling with, you know, transgenderism and all that stuff, we're called to love people. But, but we're not called to say that that's perfectly okay. We have to love people and we still have to be people of the truth. We cannot suppress the truth. If we do, we're given a fair warning of what's going to happen. So we have to love people through these things and just say, yeah, I love you as a person, but I can't agree with, with what you're doing. Here's the reasons why. They don't have to accept it, and we just keep right on being their friend and loving them, but we don't say, it's okay, you know, it's all right. I'll raise money for you to get surgery or something. No, we don't do that. We cannot do that. Not if we're going to be God's people. We're not allowed to do that. 
So uh, there's a list there of things that happen when people refuse to honor God and give Him thanks for what He has done. He gives them over in, in the lust of their hearts to impurity. That's one of the first things. Their bodies are dishonored. Their bodies are dishonored. Think about that. There, I keep hearing there are places where even young children are being told, you know, if, if, if a four-year-old walks down the hall in, in mom's shoes he got out of her closet, then there are people that think, well, he thinks he's a girl. And they will coach that child to think that he's a girl. And they will even go so far at some point to have surgery done. They want to be able to do that on a child. It's mutilation. Their bodies are dishonored. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve creation rather than the Creator. They're given over to degrading passions. Women and men become perverted in their sexual interests and desires and receive in their bodies the due penalty of their error. You ever wonder what AIDS and STDs and all that stuff is? That might just be the due penalty of that error. I don't want to take too long, but I was in a college class right here at NSU back in about 1994 or 5 probably. And the, the teacher, the professor, was, she was saying something about um, that the AIDS epidemic was Ronald Reagan's fault because he didn't allow the funding for it or something, the funding to study AIDS, like we didn't know what it was already. So it was Ronald Reagan's fault. And I rarely spoke up in class, but I finally said, well, how is that Ronald Reagan's fault? Don't we know where AIDS comes from and what to do to prevent it? I said, you know, if people would stop sleeping around like dogs, then maybe we wouldn't have. And the whole, almost everybody in the class just laughed. Because, not, not because I, you know, said sleeping around like dogs, but because they thought it was so ridiculous to think that people would be faithful in, in, a, in an intimate relationship. They thought it was silly. You can't expect people to wait for marriage and just have sex with one person their whole life. You can't expect that. That was their attitude. So I knew right then that I was sitting among people of depraved minds. They stop acknowledging God and they're given over to a depraved mind. You know, a depraved mind, some translations say reprobate mind is a mind that will not pass the test. That's literally the meaning of the word reprobate or depraved. Will not pass the test. It is rejected or unapproved. So these people that reject God have minds that God cannot accept. He can't accept your ideas. He can't accept your, <laughs> your efforts to try to reach Him at some point. It, it's all, there's only one way. He's not allowing any other way. <laughs> you don't get to make it up as you go along. When the mind becomes depraved and reprobate, it will not pass the test. It's rejected. It is unapproved. They're full of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, and that word means bold and overbearing or lacking humility. They're arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. They give hearty approval to those who do these things. We can see this so clearly in our American culture. And it's all over the world. And I just this week, you probably, some of you heard this. I'm going to read you this quote 
from a person who I believe has a depraved mind. Happens to be the governor of New York who replaced another person that probably had a depraved mind. And this is what this person said. This is in reference to being vaccinated, which, you know, that's a thing. And if people want to be vaccinated, they should be vaccinated. If they don't, they shouldn't. That's just that simple. Nothing wrong with, with any of that if it's a person's choice to do it. But this is what this person said. They have turned this whole idea literally into religion. Here's the quote. As she's standing up in front of the, it was like a Christian cultural center in New York, which I can only imagine what that must be like. But just because you put the name Christian on it, you know, you can put lipstick on a, on a mule and you still got a mule. She said, I, and I wear my vaccinated necklace. It actually says vaxxed. It's a necklace that says vaxxed. All the time to say I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know, there's people out there who aren't listening to God. To what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. And I need you to be my apostles. Remember, I'm reading a direct quote from the governor of New York. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go and talk about it and say we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. And that's great to have that thought or that opinion. But to, to say that if you have a different thought or a different opinion, <laughs> you're ungodly? And, and that you need to be my apostles, that's a reprobate mind. That's depraved. That's depravity. Maybe that was just my opinion, but that's just one example. You can find others if you don't agree with that one. They're out there. 1 Corinthians, real quick. I know I'm going, I always go long. I, I need to practice in front of the mirror, time myself. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 14. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. This is so important. Just like nobody knows your thoughts except you, well, God does, but no other person can know what's going on in your mind. Now, your spouse might be able to take a pretty good guess. and <laughs> probably be right, but, but nobody else can read your mind, right? For the Spirit, um, where am I at here? Verse, even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. This is so important. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So if the Spirit of God can know the minds of God and you've received the Spirit of God, then guess what? You can know what God says about something through His Word. We might not know everything. We're not going to fully understand everything. But, but this says right here, the Spirit who is from God, when you receive that, you might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the capital S Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. So a natural man, one who does not honor God, one who, who suppresses the truth, cannot know or understand the things of God. They are foolishness to him. 
He cannot understand them because spiritual things are spiritually appraised. So we have to be in tune with God's Word. We've got to invite His Spirit to have His way in our lives for us to be able to understand and discern the truth from all of the lies. So God has given us ample evidence of His presence and authority over all things. We see it through what's been made. People reject God. They run headlong into sin. i got one more passage here. James 1, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So people reject God. They run headlong into sin and it leads to death. Death of everything that God has given life to in your life. When people reject God and stop giving Him thanks, they can be given over to a depraved mind. As bad as it is to witness this being lived out in real time in our world right now, we can see, because of it, that the Bible, once again, is just proven true. What Paul's describing right here, you look around you, you'll see it. It's just proven true. How did he know that? (laughs) The thing about sin is that it it reveals man's need for God and it is unsustainable over time. It it cannot continue. Why do you think God says the day is going to come when I'm going to put an end to this world? And here's what I want to leave you with. You know, Paul starts out this letter to the Romans with some sobering truths about the consequences of sin and human depravity, but he doesn't leave it there as we read on through the book of Romans. Next week, we're going to focus on the message of hope and how hope is not... You know how sometimes you say, well, I hope when I go out to get in my car that it starts. You, you know, that's wishful thinking. That's not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is certainty. It is certain. It's already settled. The reason you have hope is because it's already settled. It's not wishful thinking. Well, I hope I go to heaven someday. You know. I hope that, that since Jesus died for me and I accepted that, I hope that that works. <laughs> it is certainty. So we can know. So God is on His throne. He will not be undermined. He will not be mocked. He will not be removed. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's kind of today's message. (laughs) Romans 6.23, the first part, is still today's message. says the wages of sin is death. Oh, but the second half. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what we're going to look at next week. So as our worship team comes, I hope that you will hang on to that hope that we have in Christ. And as we go out in this crazy, depraved world, let's be light and salt that we've been called to be.